Good morning. Nice to see you. Um, if I haven't met before, my name's Sarah, along with my husband Phil. I lead this lovely church family. Phil says hi. Um, he probably doesn't. He's probably asleep, actually. He's in California. Um, he's out at a couple of conferences, leaders' meetings out there, so um, he sends his love. He'll be back next week. Um, we're going to carry on with our, this series, looking at um, faith for salvation. And I want to, um, I want to pick up on um, kind of a key part of what Phil spoke about last week. If you weren't here last week, I'd really encourage you to have a listen to the podcast. I would always encourage you to listen to the podcast, kind of not out of a sort of tick box type mentality, but just out of like, actually, where are we going as a church family? Like, let's, you know, how are we tracking together? So if you weren't here, I would encourage you to listen to it. It was really important, really, um, really great message. And, and he was talking about actually, um, you know, in us, you know, the heart of this series is, you know, it's not just, a, oh, it's good to talk about salvation sometimes. But actually, it's genuinely coming out of responding to a word that Banning Liebscher had. So we're part of the Jesus Culture family. We recognise you know, Banning as an apostolic voice and a friend and a father who speaks into our church family. And, and when he was with us a year or so ago, he said he felt like that God was going to give us two gifts, the gift of hunger and the gift of faith for salvation. And so we wanted to steward those things. We want to unpack those gifts. We want to do a good job with it um, because, well, actually, God's saying he's going to give these things to us. So what are we going to do with that? Um, and so we want to, we want to, in kind of this chunk of time, we want to be actually raising our expectations, actually increasing our faith for salvation. And initially, kind of like Paul says, uh, David says in Psalm 51, actually that God would restore to us the joy of our salvation. You know, we, we're never going to stop preaching the gospel because we're always going to call to mind, remind ourselves what Jesus has done. But as well have that expectation that, listen, you know, this is an important message that other people need to hear and believing that other people are going to, going to get saved and so we want to look at actually increasing our faith for salvation having an expectation but you know Phil was talking last week about it's so easy for that to feel like um, a pressure you know you ought to be preaching the gospel you ought to be telling people about Jesus and it's an external pressure that we feel is kind of put on us and listen that's not what we're doing and that's what we're going to do but actually it is right and it is important that we we should carry a burden so we don't want to pressure but I do want us to carry a burden like I do want us to mind that there are people who we know and love who don't know Jesus. Like I want to mind that I walk people past people and like they don't know Jesus. You know, they're currently separated from him. And that reality that Phil was talking about last week in the story of the prodigal son, that there is that, in that time when we are separated from the Father. We are in the pigsty, if you like. We are in a mess. People are in desperate need. And, and so as much as we're always going to declare the goodness of Father God and that actually it's a father who's calling his kids back, Coming to the Father only makes sense in the context of coming to our senses. That's what Phil looked at last week. Actually coming to our senses in terms of, I am in a real mess and I need Jesus. And that's how I get home. And so we want to we kind of look at how is it that we can carry a burden and actually carry that message well. Not external motivation that feels like a, you know, a pressure that's put on us, but genuinely something changes in your heart and my heart where I'm like, I mind, this matters. I want to do something about it. So have a listen to um, Phil's message last week. It was great. Because often, if we're being honest, brutally honest, I'm, I find myself, and I'm, I'm suspicious, probably some of you guys do too, that you know, when we're looking at these things, so even in the gift for hunger, and actually saying you know, we should hunger and thirst for God, you know, we can see that in the Bible, we can point out the passages, and yeah, I, I should be hungry for good, I should, God, I w- should want more of him. Um, but often, kind of like, you know what, standing in my shoes this morning, it doesn't feel like where I'm at. So I'm like, I, I recognise that's a good thing and maybe I want to get there, but I'm not there right now. I think the same can be true for having faith for salvation. Do you know what? Like, I want to have faith for salvation. I want to 
I want to want to see people get saved. Like I want to want to share my testimony with people. But right now, I, I don't feel that. I feel a little bit stuck. Um, does that make sense? Was it only me? Um, but it's this like, actually, I recognize there's somewhere that I want to be, that I should be, that I can be, but I'm not there right now. And so we can kind of feel a little bit caught in the middle sometimes. Um, so what, you know, what do we do in those things? Honestly, I think the sensible thing to do is not pretend you're somewhere you're not. Like acknowledge where you're at, but equally don't settle. Don't settle for, well, I'm just, you know, being hungry for God is just for certain kind of people. You know, having a faith for salvation is for people with an evangelist's gift. And so I'll settle over here. Like, no, like being hungry for God and having a real faith and expectation for salvation is for all of us. So acknowledge where you're at this morning. But don't settle, because I want us to move forward. And so I think a really important way that we move forward is, I think there's something that we need to have an increased faith for that bridges the gap between where we maybe find ourselves and where we want to be in terms of being a people, you know, really carrying a burden for the lost and having faith for salvation. I think where we feel stuck, I think a bridge in the middle is this. It's a really simple thought. In order for me to have and for you to have an increasing faith for salvation, I need to have an increased faith in the gospel. Like that sounds really obvious, um, but I think it's really important. Listen, I need to be convinced of both the value and the power of the good news about Jesus. Because if I'm not, I'm like a phony salesperson. I'm kind of trying to tell people about something that I don't really believe in. That's, and that's not going to cut it. So listen, if you are like me, you find yourself sometimes like, you know, I want to have a faith for salvation. I want to be there, but I'm not. I think a really important first step is, is God, would you give me an increased faith in the message? Actually, I recognise it's, tr- you know, it's a valuable thing and that it has real power. And that will move us then, I think, from an external pressure of I ought to, to actually carrying a burden because I recognise, do you know what? I carry something that's really powerful and really valuable. And it internally motivates me. Does that make sense? So this, that's my whole point this morning. It's very simple. Actually, God, would you give us an increased faith in the gospel? And then we'd move with an increased faith for salvation. Make sense? Good. So let's look at those things. I mean, I could sit down there. That's it. That's the message. But let's look at, let's look at the Bible. We're at church. We ought to. Romans 1, verse 16. Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Super simple thought, but I think we need to highlight that. Listen, there is power in the gospel. Paul's not ashamed because he's convinced of the power of it. It is the power of God for salvation, for anybody and everybody. It really is a life-saving, life-changing message. We need to be convinced of that. You know, if we want an increased faith for salvation, you know, I need to move to where, towards where Paul was to be able to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. There is power in the gospel message. So when it's declared, it changes things. Listen, whether you believe that, whether that's been your experience, whether that's been what you've seen, that is what the Bible says. It's a powerful message. You, you know, just read Acts. Read the stories of the, the New Testament church for the most part, a bunch of uneducated, muddled blokes bumbling around, kind of trying to articulate this thing that they'd found. But when they preach the gospel, when they show and tell people about Jesus, lives are transformed. There is a power in the gospel that we need to get hold of. The second thing is this. Listen, it's valuable. So again, I want to have an increased faith for salvation. I need to have an increased faith in the gospel. A, it's powerful, and B, it's valuable. 
This is um, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 to 7. Paul says this, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. Let's pause for a minute before we do verse 7. That's the good news, right? That is the gospel, the glory of God displayed in the face of Jesus. And God in his kindness has opened my eyes to see that. So I see that, right? That's, that is the gospel. So then Paul goes on to say, but we have this treasure that he's just talked about. You know, the glory of God in Jesus, that's the treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, there it is again, the power of the gospel, is from God and not from us. I love this idea. I find this picture so helpful of this treasure in jars of clay. And listen, I think one of our problems sometimes, again, maybe only me, I'm suspicious it's probably not, is we're so focused on and we're so aware of our clay jar that we forget or we are, you know, distracted to or we, we stop being aware of the treasure that's within it. Yeah? Actually, the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus, that's the treasure. And yes, it's contained in me, which is a very clay jar. You know, the, I think the older I get, the more aware of my clay jar I am with the dents and the scratches and the dints and the funny shape. And like, I, like I'm so aware of my clay jar. And people who know me well are very aware of that too. And you're aware probably of your clay jar and whether, you know, we're aware of the bits that feel, you know, fragile or broken or damaged or cracked or, you know, not very strong. Like we're, we're aware of those things. But listen, that is not to be your focus because, you know, you are deeply, individually loved by the Lord. But listen, it's not all about you. I know I say that a lot. Like it's not all about me. It's not all about, in fact, it's not at all about my clay jar. It's about the treasure that's within. So we have to somehow move from a place where, you know, our awareness of our clay jar, whatever that looks like, whether that's our, you know, insecurity or pride or or weakness or failure or whatever it is, that we somehow let that disqualify us and say, well, unless I can get my clay jar sorted and polished and clean and fixed, and then when that's done, then I can, you know, then I can tell people about Jesus. Listen, you're preaching a clay jar, not the gospel, if you're doing that. And wherever we find ourselves, the gospel is bigger than your brokenness. Like it is. I'm not saying we don't want to get whole and we don't want to get healed. I'm not saying we don't want to overcome temptation. I'm not saying we want to... Of course we do. Like we value process in this church family highly. Like we want to be whole. This is an okay place to not be okay, but it is a place we want to see you get well. Absolutely. But I am not called to preach about my clay jar. I'm called to preach the gospel, the treasure that is within. So I think that's somewhere where we can kind of get tripped up. We think either we're so aware of the frailty of our clay jar that somehow we feel like we can't, you know, we can't preach the gospel until that's sorted. Or maybe, you know, we're, we're so aware of the clay jar that we want to kind of protect it and preserve it and we don't want it to get rejected and we don't want it to get laughed at. And, but listen, the gospel we preach is Jesus, not me. And my brokenness, my failure, my, you know, all of those things, none of those things are bigger than the gospel. So I'm not saying let's not get whole. Yes, let's do that. But let's not defer actually our responsibility to share the treasure because we're so aware of our clay jar. Yes, it's jars of clay, but can we just remind ourselves that it's a treasure? The gospel is so valuable. 
So if we want to increase our faith for salvation, that we do, let's start praying for an increase of faith in the gospel message, that it's powerful and it's valuable and it's contained within you and I. And listen, the truth is, it's powerful enough for anyone and everybody. It's valuable for anyone and everyone. Let's look in Romans 10. It says this, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Alrighty, I like simple thoughts that make sense. So for me, when I read everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that doesn't need much unpacking. I don't need to look back at the original Greek particularly. That means everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So if I hold that together with the thought that, the, you know, the good news, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God, and that I have a treasure, yes, in a jar of clay, but I have a treasure nonetheless, with, and line that up with, and so everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's simple. It, and it actually, it, it takes any pressure or responsibility off me to have to try and persuade or convince anyone of anything. It's like, listen, this gospel message is powerful and valuable and it is enough for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved. That's simple. And then Paul goes on in verse 14. He builds this very logical case that lands us unavoidably in the position of recognising what is our role and responsibility. So he says this, verse 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is, like again, this is so simple. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But they can't call unless they've believed and they can't believe unless they've heard. They can't hear unless someone's preached and we're not going to preach unless we're sent. And if you are in any doubt, you are all sent. We'll look at that later in the series, but we are. We're all sent, but there's... I like logical, A and B and C and then D, like that. And it's not always like that in the kingdom, but in this passage of scripture, it is. Listen, the gospel is enough, but people need to hear. Now listen, not everybody who hears is going to respond. That's what it says in verse 16. Not all the Israelites accepted the good news. Not everybody we're going to share with is going to accept the good news. Not my responsibility. That's not on me. But the faith comes through hearing the message and people need to hear it. So you and I need to share it. Like that, that's simple, isn't it? Somebody needs to tell them. There is a, there's such a life-saving, life-transforming power in the gospel, but it needs proclaiming. When it is proclaimed, things changed. But it, it needs speaking out. And that, that is really, that is our role and responsibility. Like that is on you and I. So, but again, I, I want to make sure we take the pressure off. It's not about having the most you know, perfectly presented clay jar. That's not the issue. Listen, neither is it. Listen, my faith needs to be in the power of the gospel message, not in my ability to articulate that and convince anybody into salvation. Because if I can talk someone into a position of salvation, someone way smarter than me can probably talk them back out of it. Like that's not, that's not going to cut it. It's not my job or your job to talk someone else into the kingdom. It's not. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict them of their sin, convince them of their need of salvation, and to open their eyes to Jesus. I cannot do that. On my most articulate day, 
I can't do that. And I don't have many of those. Like, we can't do that, and neither should we. That's not our role. But our role is simply to share the treasure that we carry. We have to have faith in the gospel message. And, and in that sense, we listen, we keep it simple. And like lots of things in the kingdom, honestly, it's really simple. It's straightforward when you look at the Bible. But the, often the things that are really simple doesn't necessarily mean they're easy. Yeah? It's a simple thing. So people need to hear, so I need to tell them. It's simple, but it isn't always easy. But we're in good company. Even the great Paul um, said this. When, this is in 1 Corinthians 2. Um, this is the Phillips translation, the first five verses. In the same way, my brothers, when I came to proclaim to you God's secret purpose, I did not come equipped with any brilliance of speech or intellect. You may as well know now that it was my secret determination to concentrate entirely on Jesus Christ and the fact of his death on the cross. As a matter of fact, in myself, I was feeling far from strong. I was nervous and rather shaky. What I said and preached had none of the attractiveness of the clever mind, but it was a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Plainly, God's purpose was that your faith should not rest upon a man's cleverness, but upon the power of God. Isn't that, like, that's where we find ourselves, isn't it? So pressure off. You don't need to rely on brilliant speech or intellect. Paul didn't, and he probably saw more people saved than we have combined. Didn't rely on that. The power of the gospel is not in your communication skills, not you being articulate, not you being able to present a four-step theological guide to the atonement. Like, that's not what your faith needs to be in. The power and of the gospel is in simply telling people about Jesus. It's going and telling and sharing the treasure we carry because people need to come to faith in Jesus, not faith in our clever words or convincing words. So we, but we, you know, we're in good company. You know, Paul said, I'm, you know, I'm feeling nervous. I'm not feeling confident. But he, there's two things I want to highlight in this passage that he was very clear about. Firstly, his determination in his kind of nervousness and shakiness was... I'm going to concentrate entirely on Jesus. I'm not going to try and be kind of clever and convincing my words. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. Other older translations say, I resolved to know nothing amongst you except Jesus and him crucified. Kept it really simple. I'm just going to tell you who Jesus is and what he's done. And again, in the earlier passage we looked at from 2 Corinthians, he says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but it's Christ Jesus as Lord. Okay, so keep it simple. That's about Jesus. And the second thing is listen, we can't demonstrate, we can't separate out the truth of the gospel from the fact that it's a powerful message. So Paul said, listen, I'm not coming with smart and clever words. I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And listen, whether it's been your experience or not, you are a supernatural person. Actually, you know, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I. And so signs and wonders should be the norm amongst us. So sometimes preaching the gospel is praying for the sick and they're healed. It's, it's sharing a prophetic word with somebody. You know, sometimes it's, it's in action. It's a demonstration of the kingdom of God breaking in. Because, and listen, someone can be talked in or out of a decision. I mean, I, you know, that's quite possible. But someone you know, who is blind who can now see are going to have a hard time arguing that one out. Like, listen, we are diluting things down if actually if we have an expectation of a gospel of words without power and demonstration of the power of God. And again, that's not for certain special someones. That is, I believe, for all of us. Whether you have, are or have walked in that as yet, 
I'm believing there's a new thing for each of us that we're supernatural people and the supernatural should be part of our preaching the gospel. It's in actions as much as it's in our words. But I think it's also worth remembering, listen, you know, you are a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know, whatever your story, whatever your testimony, however, you know, Jesus rescued you, once you were dead, now you're alive. That is a supernatural demonstration of the power of God. It is. Like, you are a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So telling your story is powerful. And, and again, keeping it simple, you know, once I was anxious and not sleeping, now I'm full of peace. Like once I had pain and Jesus completely healed me. You know, once I was addicted and now I'm completely restored. Once I was lonely and now God's placed me in family. Like well, tell your story because your story, your life is a demonstration of the power of God, of the kingdom breaking in and changing lives. So don't overcomplicate it. Don't hit yourself over the head because you can't, you know, explain the, the doctrine of atonement in four easy steps. Tell your story and point people to Jesus. Like keep it simple. And it is simple. It isn't always easy, but it is simple. So the message is, is God's story and my story. Keep it really simple. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Listen, if that's, that's, that's all we need to go and say. His story is that God loves, Jesus saves. If that's the only four words you can get out of your mouth, that's fine. God loves, Jesus saves. That's his story. And then tell your story. You know, one of my favourite passages in the Bible is Isaiah 61, which Jesus quoted when he started his ministry. When he talks about being anointed to preach the good news, it looks like the brokenhearted being bound up. It looks like proclaiming freedom for the captives. It looks like comforting those who mourn, providing for those who grieve. It looks for beauty instead of ashes, gladness instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. Like that's the good news. And I don't know about you, but that's my story. Actually, once I was, but now I am. This constant divine exchange where God takes my brokenness and gives me something back beautiful. Constantly, that's my life's walk with him. It's an amazing thing. Um, and it's powerful, your story is powerful. And I think, I think so often the enemy can convince us that we don't have a story to tell. That's just nonsense. Like we carry the gospel message, the power of God. Like that's the treasure that we carry. And it's powerful. Don't let the enemy persuade you that people don't want to hear it, don't need to hear it, and you haven't got anything to say. You have. Your whole life is a demonstration of the power of God, that the kingdom breaks in and changes people. So that... Listen, that's the key. Like the gospel, the, literally the word gospel means good news. And it's good news that I tell his story and I tell my story. And I point people to Jesus. I'm going to ask Sam and Sonia to come and um, share with us. You might, though, those of you amongst us might have spotted, we didn't do an Our Church My Story this week because so we wanted to flip things around a little bit. And I want these guys to come and share a little bit of um, our story as a church family, but their story and um, what that particularly looked like for them um, and a couple of other guys from church family last Sunday. So they're going to come and join us because, I, again, I'm acutely aware. I can't, I can't in and of myself increase your faith in the gospel. But actually, that is the Holy Spirit's job for in, in and of all of us to actually say, God, give me an increased faith in the power of the gospel, that it changes lives, it changes situations. So I'm going to ask these guys to share um, where they were last Sunday and what was going on. Hi. 
Um, so, yeah, so we were um, in prison last week. We were not actually in prison, but... Um, yeah, we went to um, HMP Forest Bank Prison uh, last week, as some of you may have known. We were there. Um, there was myself, Sam, um, Sam, and Ben at the back there. Um, Forest Bank. It's in Manchester. Uh, it's a men's prison, category B, category B uh, men's prison. So it's high security, um, and there's about 1,400 men there. Um, just the environment that it is, um, it's one that's quite bleak, really. Um, a lot of the men there are behind their doors, very, very small cells for sort of 23 hours, 30 minutes. Um, there's a lot of anxiety and depression there, um, self-harm, suicide. Um, and it's a really tough environment, really, um, that we were going into. It's also the prison that, that you guys were praying into, so I think about five weeks Six weeks ago, um, Phil and Sarah sort of shared that there was a security challenge and that we were not able to get in, and we really felt God had sort of said, this is where we were supposed to be going. Um, so we asked the church to pray, and you did, um, and God opened the doors. And so uh, last week, that's where we were um, as a church family, all of us. So, um, And yeah, it was, we had a great time. San, San will tell you a little bit more about that. Oh, crumbs, it's... <clears throat> It's both humbling and an incredible privilege as well, particularly kind of floating on the coattails of... Floating on the coattails? I've just made that up. Hanging on the coattails of this great lady, dear sister, Sonia's amazing. Like, she's in that prison a lot of the week. Uh, It's interesting walking past uh, some of the inmates just going, hey, hi, miss. I'm like, do we call you miss now? What's what's the deal here? Um, but honestly, Sonia's expertise and stuff and her heart for the prison ministry is just beautiful. So we're trying to, we're trying to establish just relationship with these guys. So, so Ben Turner as well. Ben, you're incredible. Ben, for those that know Ben, in that environment, you come alive. He, he just has this calm, peaceful confidence, uh, which he brought. And Sam led worship so beautifully well. Um, yeah, very different than Buckley Hall. Um, and we walked past one of the headers of security and Sonia just whispered to me, just bless him as you walk past. <laughs> so I was just like, Lord, bless, you know. And you realise that it is a miracle that we're in there, which is, which is incredible. Um, so we did two services, uh, one for the general population, uh, which was about 40, 45 guys, which was incredible. You know, the more, more guys come in, you're like, my intimidation level is through the roof now. <laughs> But I'm smiling on the outside. Um, so we did, did a, an hour's service for them. Where we had some worship. I shared my story. And then we shared his great story. And then we did a, a kind of mirror and identical service for the guys in isolation. Um, predominantly sex offenders and guys that are in danger. Their, their own uh, self-harm self and other inmates. So whenever they're on the move in the prison, these lights flash, uh, the other inmates are pushed back into their wings, back into their cells, and basically uh, they, they shouted over, here come the wrong ones. Um, so they are lonely, they're desperate. But although we say that, none of the guys came in like dragging themselves. They have to keep up some form of bravado and strength because weakness is not great in, in prison environment, I guess. Um, but we got to have another word over them. We got to declare God's love yeah. over them when all they hear is they've made horrendous mistakes and they have. Um, do you want to just explain what happened very quickly? Over to you. When? 
Just what we did. All right. What I did, what you did. What, um... <laughs> I was just checking where we were at. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I guess one of the things that we we um, we did was exactly what Sarah's just spoken about, really, because like you know we went in and we. We were nervous, you know. Um, rather shaky. Rather shaky, just like it said in the JB Phillips version. And um, but but we just um, we just brought brought the the gospel really, and um, you know we had to just get out of our own way and just remember that we were there to um, to bring the good news. Um, and so that's what we did. We sort of just got together at the beginning, didn't we? And we just um, we prayed together, and we just committed that time. And we felt as well like uh, you were with us because. There was this sense that we were just doing church, um, and we said that. You know, I remember speaking to someone who says, "Oh, I was I was just doing church at the prison." You know, so it, it, we were four, but we were actually all of you guys as well. And um, and San just shared an amazing message, and he did exactly what Sarah just spoke about. Now, um, he just shared the good news, and he shared his story, and um, it was really simple as well. I feel like the way that sh- that San shared was so simple you'd have to have been asleep to have not caught um like the power of the testimony you know and I think that was what was really amazing but it was great um like God really moved in there didn't he like talk about the worship and stuff like you share about that yeah, so just very briefly, we it started and we we sang and it was like singing at a football match. Genuinely, there was this one guy at the back who introduced himself to me initially before we even started saying, I go around all the sing, sing, uh, cells singing, I do Elvis. And I was like, oh, dearie me, I wonder how this is going to go. And he did, as we were singing, Ben will testify, it was like a football match. We were like the away fans and this guy at the back was going, louder, come on guys, louder. And so I was like, all right, come on, you know. Um, but that was incredible. We genuinely, and, and it was Ben, he said, we, isn't it a privilege? We get to do church with these people. Yeah. And it's so true. So we did just declare Jesus and, the, and there are none too far away. Yeah. And if you want to give your life to Christ, there was a cross and Jesus on, on the cross, on the back wall. I kept referring back, look at him. Look at what he's done. And he extends forgiveness for, to you. And I was very clear, hopefully, that this doesn't mean come to Jesus and everything's going to be sweet could, it could wreck your whole life as you know it. It means come to Jesus and everything will be brand new. It means you still continue to do your, serve, your, your sentence. Things still might not go well for you, but your soul is well. Yeah. So I said, if you are ready to commit your life to Christ, I, I tried to push back as much as I could, just repeat this after me. And we just heard scores of men yeah. just all across the room just repenting of their sin, giving their hearts to Jesus. I was looking up like, what? This is actually working. And it's, and it's not me. It's like, Clay, this isn't me. Like, Jesus, you're amazing. We stood around the lectern afterwards, just me, Sonia, uh, Ben, and Sam. And Sam actually said, I don't want to leave prison. How weird is that? This is incredible. This one guy on the, on the last service that was... Um, in the uh, isolation service with us, he started off pretty, pretty kind of sure of himself, that sort of stuff, commenting on what sorts, there's no prayers as this service, what kind of service is this? Which I was nervous, like, oh, crumbs, yeah, what sort of service is this? You know, <laughs> and then as we were singing, you could just feel the atmosphere shifting, yeah. proclaim the gospel in the second one as well, and we think maybe, I don't know, a handful of guys again in that service gave yeah. their heart to Christ. And he, he was just in bits afterwards. And I went over to him, grabbed his hand, and he just said to me, I have done some horrible things, just weeping. And 
He said, and I said, have you given your life to him? And he said, I have. And I said, well, he forgives you. And he said, but I can't forgive myself. And society won't forgive me. So I squeezed his hand, looked him, eyeballed him and said, on behalf of society, I forgive you. And that's just one story. We're back in there on New Year's Eve. So pray for us. It's such, such a privilege. And we had loads come forward for prayer as yeah, well, yeah, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, there's tons of guys just like rushing forward, wanting just for us to stand with them, yeah. like with their sentences and things. It's great. Precious, really is. Listen, come on. 15 people, we think, got saved last week because these guys just shared the gospel. Like, it's good news. And it's powerful. Like, just, they just kept it simple. Let me tell you about Jesus. And we think 15 or so of these guys gave their lives to Jesus. It's, it's amazingly simple. The gospel message is powerful. It is a treasure that every single one of us in our uniquely different clay jars carry, and it works. This is what I wanted these guys to share this week. In terms of like, listen, Holy Spirit, would you give us all that conviction that, listen, this stuff works. It isn't just you know, for those in, you know, in prison. Actually, it works for your neighbour, for the person in your family, the person you work with. Like sometimes we think, oh, you know, it's particularly accessible in certain... Oh, the gospel's powerful in every single situation. So listen, would you stand? Because I want to do two things.